welcome back to another episode of Over the Glass. I am your host, Jay. Co-host, Nessa. And co-host, Drew. Today we have Avery Lewis McDougal. McDougal, yes? That's correct. Cool. Um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, would you mind introducing yourself and how you got into hockey? Oh boy, how many days do you have? That's a long way through. I'll, I'll try to be I'll try to be concise uh, with the story. But um, uh, born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta, uh, fell in love with hockey when I was about four or five years old. Watching the Oilers um, when we played Dallas Stars back in the early nineties, or sorry, late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, whole family enjoyed hockey. I was like I was like the lead of watching hockey from an immigrant family. I was born in Canada. My my mom's Trinidadian, dad's Jamaican. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, sports has always been a big thing um, growing up for me to watch, be involved with. Grew up playing sports. Didn't play hockey. Terrible skater. My my sports playing were basketball, track and field, lacrosse, tennis, baseball. Those are my sports. Also hockey. Very expensive. And being raised in an immigrant family at times, a single mom, playing hockey, wasn't a thing. Like that, No. You're not, we're not, we're not paying undergrad if you play hockey. You're playing basketball. You're playing other sports that are more affordable. But no, but, um, you know, grew up watching Oilers, went to a couple of games as a kid. And then being a kid who was very passionate about uh, growing up, people always told me, you know, hey, you know a lot about hockey. I was always a big trivia kid. I loved um, trying to mimic broadcasts and sports because I, I love doing media side things. So when I was 15 years old, in 2008, this was back when podcasting and blogs were a very new thing. Most people didn't know what a podcast was, what a blog was. That was a foreign word to people in, in a lot of circles. I started up a hockey sh- a sports show called Avery Sports Show using a Nokia flip phone, talking for half an hour. And that really spawned off into me getting more opportunities to talk sports on radio shows, on TV shows. And from there, it snowballed to me going to school for broadcasting when I was 19 years old, doing stuff on local TV here in Edmonton, and getting opportunities to do national stuff, talking all kinds of sports. And even though I'm more known for hockey, I've always been very much into every sport there is. I've covered the NFL. I've covered NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer. I've covered the Pan Am Games. I've never really been one just tell myself in just hockey, but it's sport I'm known for the most. And here I am now covering the NHL for the hockey news. And in the past, had the chance to work with Yahoo Sports Canada. And of course, hosting for a year and a half, Game Over Edmonton for SDPN. What a lovely little resume you've got going on there. (laughs) And I love that you just kind of you know, got the passion of watching other broadcasters and you're like, I can do this. I'll I'll do it in my own room. It kind of made me think of like, you're like the Steve Dangle of Alberta. (laughs) I've, I've been told that before. I've, I've gotten those comparisons before, um, to what Steve did. Uh, Cause I, I have a YouTube channel where I did do the Oiler, um, the Oiler recaps. And the funny thing is, I know people know Steve for how he looks, how he dresses. One thing with me, People always ask me, like, dude, do you have normal clothes? 
because every day you're in a suit, you're in a fedora. So like I, I'll never forget meeting some people to play street hockey, and they're like, "Oh, you don't always wear a suit every single day. You have casual clothes." I'm like, yeah, I have casual clothes. Like I don't, I don't go to bed in a suit and a blazer every day. <laughs> I wouldn't judge you if you did. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure you could make a great line of uh, pajamas in in your in your style. <laughs> So you mentioned you grew up an Oilers fan mm-hmm. and are currently an Oilers fan. And I have to ask, because, you know, Drew over here is a Canucks fan. We're Sharks fan. We're all in the Pacific Division. We're technically rivals. And we love to shit on the Oilers. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like equal yeah. opportunists here, <laughs> not just specifically the Oilers. Right, right, right. But, you know, with the Oilers, it's 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 like you have the best player in the world, mm-hmm. but somehow you can't get very far into the playoffs. And I kind of want to know um, your opinion on how you feel how the team is going currently or um, I guess the process, the thought process and when you first drafted McDavid into like the hope and like, oh, this is going to be it. We're going to be able to, to win the Stanley Cup to what it ended up turning out to be. Uh, I would say, well, going back to when they first drafted Connor McDavid, that was during what was known as the Decade of Darkness from 2006 after the Cup final run to 2016-ish. Edmonton had a run of front office staff and GMs who didn't really know what they were doing. There was a lot of incompetence in the front office, but even when they drafted McDavid under Pierre now granted Pierre knows how to draft, but building a team around him has was a flaw for a long time. The Oilers didn't know how to do. I mean, yes, you had dry Sally and McDavid, but this team failed to realize you can't build a team solely around two 18-year-olds or two 19-year-olds. You need veterans to help build around these guys. And for a long time, this team failed to do that until recently where they've got a better top six, better top nine forward core around this guy. They figured it out more so than in the past. I know the defense stepped up a little bit more. They've got Evan Bouchard, who might be a Norris candidate come this June. Stuart Skinner has developed into a fine NHL goaltender. But that being said, it shouldn't have taken this long to have had sustained success with McDavid and Dreisaitl. You're in year 10 of Leon Dreisaitl's career. You're in year 9 of Conor McDavid's career. And to me, that's not a good thing because look at the other great players who came as generational talents. Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Steven Stamkos. Those teams figured things out by year three, year four. Edmonton, it took them way longer. And then they started to regress mid-progression. Like, it's a very strange organization. And I do think they're going to figure it out here this season. And I think McDavid will win a cup as an Oiler. I mean, it's going to happen. How could it not eventually? But my big thing has been... It's taking too long. It shouldn't be year nine and McDavid is just now looking at getting into his first cup final. Sidney Crosby, he was in his first cup final, what, by 2007? Like, generational talents, these kind of guys should have been in the cup final well before or, or threaten, threatening to be there well before 2024. 
What are your thoughts in terms of the trade deadline is coming around the corner? Like, what are you hoping that they move? And are there any names out there that you're interested in seeing them acquire? Uh, I think the two big names for Edmonton got to be Chris Tanev and Jay Gensel. Those are two big targets I think Edmonton has to really look at getting. Jay Gensel helps um, that top Edmonton's 4-9 unit much more so, gives them a little bit more scoring. And Chris Tanev, I know it's very rare to see an Edmonton-Calgary trade. in these teams have been in the league for over 40 years. I think there have been maybe five trades total between Edmonton and Calgary in 43 seasons. It's rare to get these teams trading with each other. But Chris Tanev is someone who is a solid, rock-solid D-man who will give them more stability playing with Evan Bouchard, playing with Matias Ekholm, playing with Darnell Nurse. And in terms of what would go back, I think Edmonton would have to give up a couple, maybe a couple of draft picks, possibly Cody CC to make it work. And to me, if a Calgary or a Pittsburgh is asking back for draft picks or a high prospect, you know what? If I'm Ken Holland, I go and do that because you're in the era right now of you want to win now. You can't be planning for 2029, 2030 when that when that happens. Because hey, again, the time to win is now. You can go and you can go and draft whenever that time comes. Right now, you want to win a cup right now with David and Drysaitel in their primes. Draft picks five years into the future. Don't worry about that right now. I don't care about that right now. <laughs> yeah, I find it interesting that Calgary could be willing to to trade with the Oilers. I'm just thinking from, you know, here in, in California and like, uh, like we've traded with the Kings and, and the Ducks before, but they're not impactful players, like mm-hmm. game-changing type players, like, um, I remember when we acquired Martin Jones, it was a three-way and it was pretty much like, I forgot who was the the original team to acquire him. And it was just like shot right back over to California, uh, you know, for them to get something from us. So like trades do happen, but they end up not being direct. Um, but how do you feel about, Okay, like it it does sound like you're very positive and optimistic about the future of of the Oilers. Um, But I guess I'm curious about what if it doesn't happen in this time frame that McDavid's got a couple years left after this uh, after this year and then Dreisaitl's up for a contract after this season, like like. Does it depend on if it's an early exit from the playoffs? Like, I guess I, I'm just trying to get like the, the like you talking about the GM, it does make sense that he's got to kind of, he can't hold on to like these, these draft picks if there is a potential uh, piece out there that they can acquire. Like the time is them to do it now. But mm-hmm. let's say he he does go through those motions and it still doesn't happen. Like, I mean, we've got how many teams in, in this league now? It's like only gotten way more competitive, you know. Um, so I guess your your kind of thoughts of like 
even if they make the, the moves that you want them to make, one thing leads to another in the playoffs and you, you guys still don't come, come home with the cup. What do you think the future is when their, their contracts are uh, set to expire? Honestly, you know, knowing Connor Leon a little bit, these guys are two very stubborn guys in the sense that they don't want to leave a thing unless they, unless they accomplish a goal. I know people like to make the whole jokes about, ah, McDavid's going to leave, McDavid's going to leave. Connor's the kind of person in which he's very headstrong in which if I, I'm going to accomplish this goal come hell or high water, doesn't matter how long it's going to take, but there's got to be progress. It can't be another second round exit. From the organization, from ownership, Daryl Cates down, it has to be. If we're winning a cup, we got to at least be in the final four and win some games in the Western Conference final. It can't be going to Western final and getting swept again like we saw in 2022 against Colorado. You got to be one step away from making it to a cup final. You can't go into year 10 of McDavid's contract and he's been to zero cup finals. As long as you make that progress and get past round two, ideally to that cup final, then I think McDavid and Drysdale will see some more hope. It can't be regression again this year. It absolutely cannot be. Do you think that there's a possibility of them wanting out if they don't achieve that this year? Uh, honestly, I don't think so because no team can afford their contracts. No team. People always say make a trade. Like No one can give up enough money for Orlando's management to not hang up the phone laughing. There's not <laughs> enough that you can give back to Edmonton for a trade for McDavid or Dreisaitl. Like, I know people like to, of course, play fantasy GM with, oh, McDavid and Dreisaitl with uh, Austin Matthews or with the Mitchell Martin or with somebody else. You're not getting all those guys together. You're trading up your big names to get McDavid or Dreisaitl. You're giving up your top-tier players to get them. And it's probably going to be a lot of those guys and picks going back the other way. So I just don't see any team making sacrifice to trade to ask for McDavid or Dreisaitl in a trade. I'll trade you I the whole... I don't even think... I was going to say, I'll trade you the whole of the Sharks for a McDavid and Dreisaitl. <laughs> I just want to say... They might say no still. If Chris Tanev ends up in Edmonton, I'm going to scream. Just, I'll just, they just catch me shrieking. <laughs> you, hear, him... you hear something, it's true. <laughs> we need Always him back, Avery. Can't have him. <laughs> if you've got pipes in your house and they just like shake a little bit, that's Drew screaming all it's the way just from me. Florida. Oh, no. He's <laughs> <laughs> my trade deadline yell into the void, you know? <laughs> I, I was going to say, I don't even think you could get them if you were just playing fantasy GM, like, that would be nuts. <laughs> right. Like, you'd, you'd really have to be playing with, like, some people that just, like, do not know what they're doing. Or maybe they're just putting together their the, a team full of all their favorites because those guys would all go in the first in the first round. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the, like, the idea that, like, people, like, it's not, like, hockey ultimate team right like you like these ideas of like okay we're gonna keep nylander and and matthews and Marner mm -hmm. and all these guys and then acquire mcdavid it's like no it's like this isn't the nba there's no like super teams here it's if you're gonna if you're gonna let one of those assets go you gotta be willing to like sacrifice something of equal measure it would be nice it would be fun if we had teams stack like that but that's like in in the nhl not gonna happen but it's fun it's fun to watch uh <laughs> 
people in their fantasy lines. I'm like, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a cup winning team for sure. If it ever happened one day, 60 years into the future, (laughs) (laughs) when we could do that here. (laughs) I don't know if you're going to be realistically putting together a ringer team in the NHL. Like, yeah, I don't, I, especially with this, this uh, salary cap, like there's no way, like how much would that be like 60% hit on, on the, for your team? Right. <laughs> although, honestly, you know, although I will say as much about salary cap, I would love to see one NBA thing come to the NHL as, and that's the bird right rules. Because I believe you should be able to pay as much money as you want to re-sign your star players. If you want to, if you want to keep a McDavid and pay him $40 million, go ahead, by all means. You should be allowed to do that. I, I'm not a fan of the NHL's hard salary cap in which, you know, if you're one cent over, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> they can put together a GoFundMe. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on Campbell? Because he's got a couple of years left on his contract. He's down in the AHL. Like, mm-hmm. um, are you feeling like you're going to need some backup for, for Skinner heading into the playoffs? How is... Uh, was it Pickard? Yeah, is your Calvin backup Pickard. right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of talk about goalies right now. So yeah, and we you got know... a couple. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> let's broker a trade right now. <laughs> You've got some juicy first round picks over there. <laughs> Uh, Jay's the hockey agent in the, the dark alley. It's like, I hear you need a goalie. <laughs> I got some, some fine goalies for you. I also have coat. a fedora on and a suit. <laughs> and a trench coat. So you're like, hey, what do you need? And you open it up. Yeah, what do you want? <laughs> That's, I'm just got imagery. like a couple of like LeBangs just like swinging around. There. <laughs> Take them all. We don't want them anymore. Anyways, anyways. Oh man, you know, uh, you know, with Jack Campbell, you know, I know he's bounced back to an extent in Bakersfield, but just from what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, it sounds more like if any goalie is going to get recalled from Bakersfield, it's going to be Olivier Rodrigue before Jack Campbell. So I could see if this team doesn't trade for a goaltender, they're more likely going into the playoffs with it being uh, Skinner and Pickard and the third goalie being Olivier Rodrigue. And it's tough because. You did sign Jack Campbell to a massive deal to be your number one franchise goaltender. And I think a lot of people knew that Jack Campbell was always going to be a very hot and gold, hot and cold goaltender last year. No one saw him starting the year as an 870 goaltender. Like, no one had him putting up numbers that hadn't been seen since the mid-60s. Like, that is not good. Like, that is not good. That was a percentage that is struggling to be above 870 as NHL netminder. And it's tough because Jack Campbell, he's the kind of guy in which he gets very hard, very down himself. Like, every loss is an emotional thing. Like, he prides himself in wanting to win and wanting to be competent. But in the NHL, this is a league of what have you done for me lately and being consistent. And even though Jack is starting to do that now more so in the AHL, if he's recalled, and it's back to the Jack Campbell of October 2023, who can't bring together wins, then then Magic's going to have to say, you know what? Thanks for your time and effort. We got to move on. And it sounds like that's going to happen in which, you know, that contract will be bought out before next season. 
that sucks, but you know, it's reality. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, especially for a team like the Oilers, like we've talked about already, like they're in a win now mode. Like the the leash is just, you know, if you're if you're dropping far too many games and it's a blowout, like they, you know, because you guys had a rough start in the beginning, and then you know all of a sudden you guys were like on a what a fifteen game winning streak so you know like and and that was kind of happening over the last couple of seasons in in similar manners so I just feel like from the outside looking in like it's definitely a team where it's like no we're not doing that again and it's like we're you know we're we're not going to give you as much leeway as the last time because we we already experienced what what that was like the season four and the season before that. So yeah, it's rough, but you know, just, I remember when the trade happened and I was like, Ooh, I hope that doesn't, you know, turn South and, you know, but it's like, we've got our own like <laughs> goaltender <sighs> history over here um, in, in sharks, in sharks territory. So, you know, it's not Definitely. so bad right Def- now. <laughs> now. Yeah, now. Um, but um, there was something else that I wanted to ask, and now I don't recall. Anyone else have any thoughts, questions about Concerns. Oilers? Concerns. Drew? I, All right. I'm always concerned about Edmonton just because they're there <laughs> and they exist. <laughs> just know that Drew just... cares. <laughs> unwillingly. <laughs> yes, yeah, very unwillingly. <laughs> I have a somewhat of a question. How, sure. as a Sharks fan, mm-hmm. We obviously had Vander Kane on our team, and yes. everyone saw how that played out. So we're not huge fans of him, but I'm curious to know how he's doing with the fan base over in Edmonton. You know, I will. You know, when I first when I first heard about Evander um, coming to Edmonton, I think like many of us up here had our concerns. We have followed Evander's past. We know how things have gone. And it has not been all sunshine and roses. It has been very controversial. And there has been moments where, yes, you have every right to be concerned about him coming to this franchise. Now, I I will say this much. It's clear, it's clear that he knows Edmonton was his last chance. There could be no more there could be no, no more issues. He he knows full well like this was it for him in the NHL. And I will admit, to his credit, he has kept things clean. There has been no issues, but, and there's, and, and Grant, there are people who are still skeptical of it. And you know what? I don't blame you. I don't blame you because Evander Kane is, has had, has had his missteps. And if you still don't want to rock with him, I don't blame you hundred percent. There are people who still feel this team should not have, not have acquired him. And on ice, you know, on ice, he has 21 goals this year on his production. You know, it's been hit and miss, but you know, he does his best. Off ice, if you still have concerns about Evander Kane, you know what? Hey, I'm not going to be here to change anybody because, yes, he has done things that I do not agree with in many ways. But he knows full well this has been his last chance and there could be no more missteps on his part or else I think he's done for good. 
he does seem like he's been like he's he's been productive in Edmonton, but it definitely seems like the off ice antics that we've known that surround Evander Kane, it seems like that has gotten more quiet in Edmonton. Like it feels like he is aware, like you said, Avery, like he knows this is his last shot and he's really got to get everything moving in the right directions, both on and off the ice. And I don't know. Do you think that that kind of, he's, he's surrounded by Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. Do you think that's a little bit like a little bit of a sweetener for him to kind of keep things quiet and focus on, on the game? He's got a chance here with Edmonton, like you said, his last chance in the league. And, and mm-hmm. now he's got some skill players around him. Do you think that's kind of like a, a nice incentive for, for Kane? I do think so. I do think any player he, who's coming in with a pass like his wouldn't want to mess up a chance to play with a player like McDavid and Dreisaitl and probably your best chance to win a Stanley Cup. So I think even more so, he knew that, hey, I have to be in a straight and narrow because if I mess this up again, this is only going to be on me. And I know it's going to look if I ruin this chance playing with organizations that threw me a life draft for what is, let's be honest here, what the fifth, sixth, seventh chance that Evander Kane has had because we saw, we know what's happened before with his time in in San Jose, Buffalo, Winnipeg. I mean, we've we've heard the we've heard the stories. There have been teammates who've come out and were not fans of him. So he knows that you know this is the chance I cannot mess up here. Yeah. Is it safe to say so for for us here in in California mm-hmm. specifically for the Sharks, we're a smaller market. But in comparison to an Edmonton Oilers, a Vancouver Canucks, just Canada media in, in general, is it safe to say that if something were to be happening, that the media would be all over it? I would say that, yes. Yeah, because hockey players in these kind of markets, like you mentioned, Jay, the Edmontons, Vancouvers, I would say even in America too, like certain markets like, say, like Buffalo, Detroit, it gets amplified far more because hockey, the NHL, is the end-all, be-all. I mean, you see fans going out and about. They see players at the grocery stores. They see players at dinner. So, yeah, so I think, yeah, in a market like here, if there were to be a misstep in Edmonton, it would absolutely it would absolutely be a story that we put under a magnifying glass in a far bigger way than, say, if it was in a, a San Jose or in a Florida or in a Carolina. Yeah, your media is kind of brutal out there. <laughs> it, I, <laughs> you know, hockey oh, like, for for a lot of people, hockey is yeah, it is it is the king sport. It's the thing in which it's a front page news in every single market, and even more so, say Montreal, where you get it in in English and French. But you know, I, I you know, I would say I I one thing I've learned and I, I appreciate is that I never I never speak badly of american of some belt markets i think it's i think it's insulting to speak down upon the san jose's the arizona's the vegas's the dallas's because all these markets have had hockey culture for decades upon decades there's educated fan base in all these places they don't they don't know less than a fan in edmonton or calgary so I, I, I want to welcome all fans from all American markets because I think the idea that you guys know less is – I think it's very dumb that American fans or some or some market fans are less educated or don't know the game. I think that's a very dumb thing to keep spouting out. 
Yeah, I'm in a very non-traditional market in Northeast Florida, and we have an ECHL team here. And uh, our team leads the league in in attendance, um, has 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 had so consecutively for the last few seasons here. And it also leads 18 other teams in the AHL in attendance. So um, I used to live in the Midwest, and like that was a big thing being a hockey fan. But moving back home. And kind of almost approach, I don't want to be like hockey elitist, but that's like a little Mm -hmm. bit of like how I felt. I was like, this is a out of place sport and out of place market, but the fans, they're just as dedicated. I mean, that's the Iceman and ECHL team and they're any, any given day in that arena, you can find a number of fans that are diehard. They know their teams, even if they're thousands of miles away in a different market, like these people know the sport. And I think it's, it's weird that, that we've seen such a, a growth in those non-traditional markets, but people have embraced it and it's, it's done great for growing the game. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, you might not be able to have an outdoor rink down here, but listen, we're all just as enthusiastic about that, about the sport as, as some of the bigger market fans, the major, you know, hockey market areas. It's we're, we're kind of rabid in our own way here in these untraditional markets. (laughs) I feel like, uh... I mean, you might, you might be able to have a ring, but it'll be a swimming pool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a, taking a literal dive, you know? <laughs> For, uh, you know how in Detroit they throw octopus on the ice when they're excited? Mm. Do you guys throw gators on the ice? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Florida, Florida man, Florida. That, that would be the highlight for like the Iceman winning the Kelly Cup. <laughs> Iceman win Kelly Cup. Florida man throws Gator on ice. <laughs> Gator's the like, Pan- what the shit am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> the Panthers throw rats. They have their rat thing that they do, but uh, I have yet to see. I love that Nat- like Nashville throws the catfish because I feel like that could be a Florida thing. Or even the octopus. I feel like to some extent, like we could be throwing fish on the ice, but the Panthers went with rats. So I don't, I don't know what happened with that. You know, picking of the selection. I just like feel a like New York thing, right? Right, and ca- like Nashville's very landlocked. So like, how did you even get a catfish in the arena? Like, I'm, <laughs> I have questions. <laughs> I mean, I guess the Panthers thought it was safer to throw a rat than you know an actual panther on the ice. Well, they are endangered, so I do appreciate the, you know, the, <laughs> <laughs> the eco-friendly nature. They're being very thoughtful. <laughs> yes. Yes. They're being very aware. Very important. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that, Avery, because I feel like sometimes, you know, people look down on, on these smaller markets and, um, you know, like I've seen, I've, I've spent like majority of my life uh, living in in this area. And I remember when the sharks came here, I remember there only being like a handful of rinks. And just recently with the, um, with our AHL team moving over a few seasons back, they needed their own home on top of the fact that a hockey on a like beer league and youth level has grown exponentially because of the presence of the sharks they needed more ice. And I remember I went to a, a hockey camp some, some years ago and I was chatting up with someone who uh, I think was like outside of the bay, like maybe like two hours north or whatever. And he was talking about like the closest rink to him was um, one that's like super far away from me. But he's like, you know, I'm just like so jealous of, you know, 
the Bay Area because I it, it might still be true now, but I think we have the most sheets of ice like on this side of the coast. And to me, that's like wild because I don't really think about that. I just am like, oh my God, like I can't believe I have to play an 11 p.m. game. <laughs> but like, you know, it's like there's people who would love to play an 11 p.m. game, but it's just like, you know, there's it's just not possible with what they have. So it's like from the American standpoint, especially like on the West Coast, you know, it's huge to have this growth in hockey and and even seen from like the from like from like drafts and stuff like we've been seeing more people who are born in California like they may have left later on to pursue you know get better uh, access to programs that are you know still uh, like still developing here like they had to move to like Detroit or like to Minnesota or whatever to um, to to get to those more competitive programs but it's just kind of like still surreal in a way to see someone who is drafted and whatever and they were like originally born in this area so um so yeah we're here (laughs) (laughs) i still count it yeah (laughs) him in a way yeah um but i wanted to ask you about so the Mm. first time that i that you came onto my radar is during your time on yahoo sports Yes. And you were on a panel called Zone Time. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a, a like a brief summary of like how that kind of came about and like it kind of stuck out to me because of the reason why we started this podcast. Like we wanted to see more diverse voices and you know the representation and people who were talking about hockey, but then also not glossing over things that were happening in the sport, unlike people who were more mainstream and, you know, they, they might bring it up, but they, they toe the line where they mm-hmm. won't have the conversations that we want to have. So that's, that's a big reason why you kind of came onto my radar and specifically zone time, but I never really knew the, the history of it. And so if you could help us understand that a bit more. Yeah. So Zone Time launched um, back in 2021. At the time, I was working with Yahoo Sports Canada, just doing more um, more writing side. I was covering um, the Oilers, Jets, Canucks, Flames for them and doing hockey culture pieces. And I got a I got an email from my guy, Julie McKenzie, who had mentioned, hey, I'm talking to Dan Tillman, who is head of Yahoo Sports Canada we're thinking about launching a hockey panel show. It's going to be more diverse. And I had a meeting with Dan over Zoom over what the vision was, who was going to be involved. He mentioned to me it was going to be um, Julian as the main host, Samantha Chang from the broadcast going to be involved, who I've known for a bit, and Justin Cuthbert, and Ref Issa, and Omar, Tic Tac Tomar, who are going to be the panelists. Cause, and Dan's vision was hockey... There's no real place Dan thought for people of color to really talk hockey on a weekly basis in Canada. It really didn't exist beyond a one-off show. There was nothing consistent, and Dan wanted to make that a reality on Yahoo. So we launched that, 
during the bubble season, the 2020, 2021 season, that regional, that weird regional season, we launched that show. And the goal was to talk about the hockey hawk, talk about, you know, this week in NHL, other stories, but also to address how the culture is and how we can help change the culture. And it launched from being a weekly show that was only eight minutes to eventually being a full hour long show that aired every single week. And I think the reason why we got into more than just, you know, who scored this goal, how this game went, the fact we got into um, the issues in regards to race, homophobia, hockey culture, hockey Canada's issues was because we, like you all, we saw, you know, we saw other shows mainstream weren't getting into it. They were towing the line too much to, you know, in some cases, protect their access, not shake the boat. And we saw it as, we can't have a hockey show with how we look and our backgrounds and be like everybody else. We want to change the game. And that starts with us being honest about the fact that hockey is not a perfect sport and that hockey doesn't want to change for the better in many aspects. And it's unfortunate. So we felt if we can at least keep talking about these issues, maybe in some aspect, we can change something and say, hey, we're not going to go away. We're going to talk about these issues as much as we're going to talk about the exploits of an, a Connor McDavid on the ice or an Anthony McKinnon because, end of the day, this is all hockey. These are all topics in the sport. We're not going to just brush them aside and say, no, this isn't a part of the game. It is. As much as the powers that be like to say it's not or, you know, oh, it was a one-off thing. It's not a part of the culture. It is a part of the culture. Because what we see with Hockey Canada's issues, with hazing in the CHL, this kind of stuff has been going on for decades. You can go back and read books about seeing issues with the Hockey Hockey's culture back in the 70s and the 80s. And nothing has changed, in large part. And these two of these issues got brushed under the rug. And players were mistreated. And we really felt, you know what, no. We gotta shine a light on this to help move the game forward. If other people don't want to do it, we'll do that work to try and in some way make the game better for those after us. Preach. I love that. I love shaking <laughs> the boat. <laughs> we need we need more people that have I mean like that's the thing, right? Is like like you said, the some of the, the grotesque parts of the sport are embedded in the culture and have mm-hmm. been around since forever. And I think the powers that be, the old boys club, I think that we often refer to when it comes to hockey, they would rather just pretend like they aren't there, like those things don't exist, or like you said, it's like a one-off thing. But um, the only way that we get that out of culture is if we draw awareness to it and we, we mm. call out the fact that it needs to change. Like these are parts of the game that, that need to change that kind of keep people if it keeps the game from growing you know when people hear those stories about hazing and hockey canada and everything else that it seems like with hockey culture these days so i I like i like shaking the boat that's what we need ultimately it it takes more than one or two voices right it takes everybody to to call attention to it so that we can make forward progress and we can have the sport ultimately reflect the version of it that we want to see it's it's kind of like the one thing is like power is in our hands a little bit right like we can we can shake the boat we can cause good trouble and we can hopefully you know that good trouble ends up with good results in the long run yeah i mean that's what this podcast is all about right it's just we don't have the huge platform to (laughs) to be 
telling the whole world about it, but we're we're in our own little space here being like, you know, this we don't like this. Let's let's try to do something about it. We're at least so. rocking the boat on over the cliff. A little, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. We're, We've got we're a like tiny little it. paddle boat. We're <laughs> making our way across the ocean. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. You know what? I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what you're all doing a great job because this is what we needed because you know i remember there weren't i remember growing up there weren't shows like over the glass 10 15 years ago they didn't exist there was no platform to have people for lack like for lack of a better term let's be honest hockey in media for lack of a better term only had straight white males on camera or radio that's all there was you didn't see the diversity of people from different races sexual orientations it wasn't a thing now we're seeing people saying, hey, these people are important to have in the hockey media sphere talking about the game because their opinions matter as well, too. Yeah. <laughs> we matter. I think, too, I think yeah. just the, the nuance and, and being that, like, outside of that target demographic, right? Like, we can see things that I think people that have become – blind or maybe they're willful willfully ignorant to it like they dismiss it and it's uh you need i feel like it's always good like no matter what sort of group or culture or whatever it is like you need people that will provide that perspective that differs from everybody else i feel like that's sometimes that's the only way to draw attention to the things that really need change you know is if you have that outside because it's kind of like a like you know Febreze, but they were like your nose blind to it. It's kind of like these people like either you know like you you either choose in willful ignorance or you've just gotten so accustomed to it that you're like that's a non-issue. But it's like no, these are big issues, and we need people to you know want to call them out and and want to provide the perspective that says hey, this needs to change. Like this isn't okay. Well, what are we doing? You know. Did you just call complacent people Febreze? <laughs> A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Dude. That's gonna be the title of this of this episode. Complacent <laughs> people are Fabrice. They don't have to be a fun All of that. No, it's gotta be a really annoying one. I'm a definitely it's allergic to It's one where they think so. it's okay, but you're just like, that smell is off. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is stale for me. It's making it worse. It's not for reasons. Yeah, like, that's also why we we like to bring on just like everyday folks as well, because we feel, you know, if you've you've got thoughts that i feel like most mainstream platforms are unless you're doing something like exponentially amazing that they feel like oh this will bring in like the views and the downloads and to some extent like i sort of get it but then also it's like one of the most frustrating things about how at the end of the day it's kind of like our experiences are sort of used in like a capitalistic marketing sort of fashion um and but i don't feel like someone needs to be doing something extraordinary to be able to come on here and just hang out and and share their thoughts i like i always love having 
different perspectives, different like backgrounds and everything like that. Like, I just feel like it makes our conversations more impactful. And, you know, I feel like that helps to uh, continue to help us grow because it's not like we, you know, like we all have our different experiences, but, you know, maybe we might have a conversation down the line where we, you know, you have that like light bulb moment where you're like, oh, wow, like I didn't realize, you know, that was happening. Or maybe we come to a intersection where we didn't realize that we were all experiencing that sort of thing. And I feel like those mainstream platforms sometimes where they're just kind of keeping steady, just providing the news and, you know, briefly highlighting on something that might be of interest to someone, but they're really not doing too much to shift this sport in the direction that we we want it to go and just with all of us here today like there's there's a lot of love for this sport and um all of that to say that it i was really sad to see that zone time you know came to an end and in addition also you know game over kind of came to an end for you as well but um I do want to kind of ask about your time over Game Over. And then mm. I, I have also been sort of seeing um, some chatter about there there might be a potential new home for, for Game Over. So can you maybe give us a little insight about how Game Over kind of came about for you? Like in like a month or so ago, we had Lauren on and she's a trip. She's so fun. Um, she told us about her experience, like, um, but she was kind of like, oh, I just really love the Leafs. And like, I wouldn't like she she kind of felt like, oh, there's no way I could get this role. But as somebody who's kind of like been sort of in this, uh, you know, you, you've you've been talking about sports on your own platform. Like, mm-hmm. um, how did that experience come about for you? Uh, so I was actually, so, um, Andrew Brookshire reached out to me, um, after the 2022, during 2022 playoffs about coming on and launching game over Edmonton. But unfortunately during that time, I couldn't make that happen during the 2022 um, playoffs about launching game over Edmonton. So fast forward, fast forward a year later, uh, SDPN embarks on launching a, the proper full channel of, of, um, game over shows all across Canada and again, Andrew came back and it worked better for me to at the time join and be a part of Game Over and Game Over Edmonton, working with working with Zach and Dennis, my co-hosts, and doing a post-game show with those guys. That was amazing. Again, I, I never met Zach and Dennis before, but the chemistry between the three of us was instantaneous, breaking down Oiler games, um, lo- a lot of laughs, a lot of comments, and um, watching Game Over, being a part of Game Over, Zach and Dennis are very intense. I know um, during the Edmonton LA series last summer, it was funny because even though that series was hectic and gave all of us gray hairs, seeing the reaction of fans coming in and talk, interacting with us was a joy. Even be it Orla fans, be it King fans, I know one of our shows, uh, the infamous Gabe Velarde goal, in which he hit the puck with the high stick. That puck move, that was a high-stick goal. You can't tell me otherwise. That was a high-stick goal in Gabe Velarde's part. We had about 9,000 live views. And <laughs> between it was funny because just seeing the banter between Orla fans and King fans back and forth was amazing. But 
I love the aspect of doing a live post game show. I really love talking to those guys, and you know, it was a show I enjoyed my time and being a part of the SDPN brand. You see how big the pull is because I would go to Orla game. I would come in front of the press box. I would get stopped by people, like random fans who knew Steve and who followed him to game over. So that was a trip being um, known by regular fans at Orla games on the street who knew the Steve Dangle brand and followed game over. That was interesting, to say the least, to get noticed in public like that from the show. And you mentioned the... Um, Revival of Game Over. So we have been talking to different companies about the idea of a Game Over revival. There's no firm timeline yet, but I know Andrew wants to bring it back. It's Andrew's baby. He owns the IP for Game Over, so he owns all of, all the all the intellectual property to Game Over. So we're we're trying to find a proper place to revive it. We're not sure yet exactly. There's been discussions, but we do want to find a way to bring it back. If not, if not for the playoffs here this season, we're definitely going to try to find a way to bring it back. Hopefully, fingers crossed for next season, but still to be determined. Still a lot to sort through, but the show is not dead fully just quite yet. It's just hibernating somewhere. Exactly. Great word to put out. Yeah, I would say hibernating. It's, it's in a cryogenic state right now. <laughs> it's waiting for its moment. All right, Drew. All right. You can ask your question. Drew, now. do you want to ask him anything about the other sports? Yeah, yeah. Avery, I was just because I'm, you know, I just said, or just you were just talking about, you know, being with the hockey news and, mm-hmm. and all the stuff that you've gotten into. Um, but you're obviously just a big sports guy in general. Yeah. So, I mean, I am too. Like, hockey is, is uh, my bread and butter, but I love I love just being competitive any type of competition. So I was just curious if there was a, a sport maybe that's not hockey that you enjoy covering or, or uh, talking about, writing about, anything that uh, kind of similar uh, passion as hockey. Um, and if you have, like, any uh, any – maybe favorite city or favorite venue, uh, any, any place that you visited that like really stands out as one of your favorite places you've reported from? Uh, honestly, you know, my, the, the sport I first grew up playing was basketball. So I've done a lot of stuff covering basketball, covering the Canadian elite basketball league here in, here in Edmonton. And I've done stuff covering the senior men's basketball team and women's national team. I've done a lot of stuff. I've done a lot of one-on-ones interviewing Kia nurse. I've interviewed her quite a few times. And for me, basketball is a sport where, which I grew up a major fan of. You know, I still watch a lot of Raptor games. And actually, my first, my first media dream when I was a little kid wasn't wasn't it was hockey was in there, but my first real media dream was to be a Lakers broadcaster because I grew up watching Laker games on satellite TV. And I grew up my like I might be thirty one years old. But my people are surprised when I tell them my first broadcasting idol was Chick Hearn. I loved listening to Chick Hearn call Laker games, his catchphrases, and I used them when I called basketball games university up here. I thought he was, a, he was an innovator with what he would do called Laker games. Yeah, so my first dream was to be a Lakers broadcaster like Chick Hearn uh, when he called games back in the day. But no, but basketball is what I followed the most. I've done stuff covering uh, rugby league. And actually, I mean, a TV show in the UK talking about a team called the Toronto Wolfpack who played, and they were a team owned by an Australian billionaire. They played rugby in Toronto in the UK's professional leagues. How'd they do that? He would spend his own money 
to fly his team to play teams in the UK, and he would pay for the UK teams to play his teams in Toronto. So it was an expensive. It was an expensive venture to have a Toronto-based rugby team playing in a UK league. So I would cover that. I covered that. I got a TV show out of that uh, on Sky Sports. But no, uh, basketball and rugby were two of my favorite sports to cover that were not hockey. But I always said to myself, and this is a thing that my mom told me when I first got first started, get started media. My mom told me many years ago, don't just tie yourself to one sport. Be an asset to as many people as possible. Because if you can go out and talk hockey talk basketball, talk baseball, talk football, you'll become valuable. I know I know it's more important to, you know, hone in on one thing, but I've said to myself, if I can go to a different network or go to a different platform and jump on a hockey broadcast and then jump on a football broadcast and then talk soccer, how am I not more valuable to anyone if I can have that versatility? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I love that. That's like a first of all, rugby is criminally underrated. Like especially here <laughs> in North America, I love that sport. It's like it's just as tough as hockey to me, but with absolutely nothing protecting those guys. But yeah, I, I love that though. I love like that just the vast array of like like you said, like don't attach yourself to just one sport. And like I that's the reason why I love to write is because as much as I love hockey, mm-hmm. I also love so many other sports, and it kind of gives me that that medium that content medium to combine it all and and not have to like pigeonhole myself into one thing that Mm -hmm. that i love to write about or just love to you know partake in so i was curious because you it looks like you've done so much like fun stuff to cover in different sports talking about different things as i had to pick your brain a little bit no of course avery um do you have a favorite football team Favorite football team? I do, and it is the Green Bay Packers. Those are my team. I'm no. a big Green Bay guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know the Bay Area's not going to go very well. With the... <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I was curious. <laughs> what about baseball? This is like I'm not curious no more. <laughs> no, no, take it back. I don't want to. <laughs> baseball. Uh, I'm. I'm a. Um, I'm a. I'm a Toronto. I'm a Toronto Blue Jays guy. That's that's been my team. But I'm also. I've, I'm also a quasi a quasi follower of the LA Dodgers because my buddy Joe Kelly plays for the LA for You're Dodgers. here just to break our hearts, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> oh, well, I guess you follow the Lakers too. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Uh, Drew, tell us about this uh, Alaska thing you mentioned earlier. Yeah, this was just something crazy, and I didn't know if you guys had had seen it or had caught wind of it, or if it like come across um, your radar as well. Avery, uh, mm-hmm. Arizona State versus Alaska, I believe it was Alaska Fairbanks uh, yes. college hockey Friday night. I seen it, it was like suggested in my YouTube algorithm and it caught my attention. It was like crazy, you know, rare college fight or whatever. And I was like, all right, let's see this. And I, I got like through the first three minutes of it. And the thing that really like, I was like, okay, this was a wild spectacle was it turns into chaos. There's what three or four goals scored within like a minute and a half. It turns into chaos. And then at one point in time, there's like six players in the box and the ref just comes out and he's like, yeah, that's all coincidental. There's a two minute major for or two minute minor for roughing. Like that's, <laughs> that's the only thing we're going to worry about announcing to the people. Um, it was just, it's just crazy. Like if you guys, any, all of our listeners out there, if you guys can find it, uh, 
go find the clip and watch it. It's like a five, six minute long clip. It is the most ridiculous end I think I've ever seen to a college hockey game. At least, at least in recent times, I don't know if I've seen one quite this, this get this wild. Um, it turns into just a full on, like Arizona state gets, it's like, you know, they tie it up. It's one, one. And then all of a sudden Fairbanks responds, scores another two quick goals. And then it just turns into Full chaos, just yeah. full, full tilt. They end up that like it's like eleven seconds left, and they're just like it's over. <laughs> everybody, everybody off the ice. <laughs> so I watched it before we hopped on, and everything happens within the last three minutes of the game. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so it's, like, it's, it's also condensed. And my favorite part was once the brawl actually starts like breaking out. There was like two isolated players, and one of the refs is trying to pull them apart, and they're just going at it, and they basically like fling the ref away (laughs) falls on the ice he looks like a doll out there it's ridiculous that was like the craziest thing is like those two dudes that are out there like because it ends up like the one dude's just like stripped down to like his like shoulder pads those two dudes came out of the penalty box to engage in like center ice old school fisticuffs like i'm like this is wild (laughs) we went from like college hockey to like this looks very close to like wwe friday night like punishment in a cage or whatever they call On it ice. <laughs> yeah <laughs> look my opinion with the fighting in this sport has kind of like gone a little south over the years but these sort of moments are still what i live for <laughs> Yeah. Like when when there is anything related to like, oh, the code, you need to drop the gloves. I go, oh, but but pure chaos. I'm I'm here for it. (laughs) Sometimes you just have to have that, you know, like we we get just abandon all code and sling the ref off at center ice so you can (laughs) do whatever you need to do. Listen, that's I I thought it was uh, I actually ended up sharing it with a couple times and like went back and rewatched it because I was like, this is wild. This is where where is this good chaos? <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it too, and just knowing that I just went to NCAA, that is rare, incredibly rare for NCAA hockey to have that. I mean, we, I mean, you might get a fight in NCAA hockey once every couple of years. You don't get that. You yeah. don't get a full on line brawl and mayhem in NCAA. That that is unheard of to happen. <laughs> It's all good fun. All good fun. That's what when it's turned into that that full like you know Donnie Brook. Everybody's getting involved in the corner. You know, center ice. They're like they came out of the box. These two dudes at center ice. I'm like, what? This is are we sure this is still college? Like we're not watching you know like a like an ECHL game because it had a very very big uh, you know double A vibes to it. Those <laughs> <laughs> last three minutes. <laughs> I hope there were a lot of people who just came as like my first hockey game and, and, and got to witness all of that. It's always fun to bring people who have never watched a hockey game and, uh, and then they're like, you can do this out on the ice. Like what is going on? And I'm just like, I love this. (laughs) That's how I got into the sport. I was like, what? That's allowed. It's all fun. All right, moving on to the Green Men. I saw mm. this briefly, but um, you, you you need to explain this, Drew. You don't know about the is Green it... Men, or are you just 
I know of green men, but I don't know specifically <laughs> the green men as they're related to the Canucks. What? Okay. These aren't the these aren't the tiny green men that may have visited you from another <laughs> world, Jay. These are real men in green green skin suits. Uh, Drew, I thought we agreed that we would talk about that. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I forgot you shared that with me in just, confidence, and just I just putting out my personal <laughs> stories out there, geez, without my consent. <laughs> well, well, these are different green men than what Jay has uh, had personal experience with us. <laughs> um, back in forever ago it's been like eight years since the the green men have been in rogers arena um mm. they got a big big reputation around them especially during the president's trophy years and the stanley cup run in 2011 you dress in green skin suits get in there and give the guys in the penalty box a cup you know some razzle dazzle um last night for the first time in eight years the green men were back at rogers arena and it was such a beautiful moment because we finally snapped that losing skid that kind of had me panicking as a traumatized Canucks fan. Uh, three <laughs> to two, beat Boston in overtime, and then the Green Men are there. Like what, what perfect little like just a nice little return ecosystem for the Green Men to come back in. And um, they were they were throwing waffles at, at we we're throwing waffles around JVR and doing all the things they do up up there in the penalty box glass. They're just it's like a they're like an unofficial mascot for the Canucks. Um, there was talk like back in the day that they had been like banned or removed or whatever, though they just retired. And then like, I think it was maybe a month or so ago, we'd seen something, there was something on Twitter and it was like, what if the green men remade an appearance? And I was like, in a perfect world, we get that. And then lo and behold, we got that perfect world last night when we played Boston and, and uh, for our first game back home. Cause it was, it was fun to see those guys back in RA for sure. Yeah, I saw a clip of of um, who was it Van Riemsdyk in the penalty box, and yeah. just taunting him, and he's trying so hard not to laugh. <laughs> it's all good fun. That's the clip that I saw, and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> they just it, man, it was like there is I I can't remember who like the player in the box was, but I know way back in the day, like they had like a cardboard cutout. I think it was like a like Ryan Kessler that they had up at the the penalty box like glass it was the stuff that the green men did back in the day doing handstands and stuff up against the penalty box just good fun just good ways they're to like razzle trolls. guys they're like physical yes. trolls yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's a jay there i'll have to send you like a like a green men greatest hits clip compilation or yes yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> the greatest hits from the green men <laughs> the greatest troll jobs from like Everybody's favorite trolls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to end on because I, I do remember what I wanted to ask way way back when we were talking about the Oilers, and then mm. I thought it would be an an interesting question to ask from another person's perspective. When Eric Carlson was that whole friggin' season where no one could shut up about. Oh, is Eric Carlson getting traded? Oh, look what Eric Carlson did today. Is he getting traded? It's like, shut up. Just shut up. Like, we know he's going to go. But, he, but and, and I'm fine if he leaves, but the Sharks are doing some other stuff right now. Like, you maybe talk about, like, those other stuff, too, instead of Eric Carlson this, Eric Carlson that. Around the time of the trade deadline last season, there was some chatter about the Oilers maybe sniffing around 
considering picking up Carlson. So my question to you would be, what were your thoughts if that were or were to not happen? And do you want anything from the Sharks right now? <laughs> do we have anything to offer? <laughs> the whole roster's on roll. I'm asking Let's from his pick. perspective, okay? I know that we're wholesale. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But I'm just curious to know from his, from someone else's perspective, a non-Sharks fan perspective. You, you know, honestly, I, th- I thought for a while Mackenzie Blackwood was going to be in play going to Edmonton. I thought that was going to happen because I know, uh, I think it was back in, I think, November, early November-ish, Mike Greer was in Rogers' place. And Twitter, I, I tweeted out, hey, my, hey, Sharks, yeah, Mike Greer is here in Edmonton. And my Twitter just went ballistic. I was just like, 100 notifications. Oh, why is Mike Greer at Edmonton? Oh, where, who's Breaking talking to Breaking news. <laughs> like, I, I got nothing like, else going on. My phone... My Twitter wouldn't stop going off for at least a couple of hours. Uh, I saw insiders were tweeting at me. Um, oh, you, you saw Greer? Hey, yeah, I, yeah, I see my Greer. Like people were wondering what, what was happening with him in Edmonton, and you know, you never know. There could still be something in play to upgrade the goaltending. I I do think that for Edmonton, the bigger thing to address right now is forward and defenseman, but I. I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out just quite yet the idea of a trade to get Mackenzie Blackwood to Edmonton. His name has been rumored around for quite a bit. Now the priority might have changed over the past couple of months here, but yeah, I definitely think that if it if it comes down to it, possibly a goal team move could be made between the Sharks and the Oilers, possibly. And my final question is. If it if it could happen, it yes. probably wouldn't. What would you want off of the Vancouver Canucks? Because <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> you had free rage to just come in and grab a player, and no one uh, be able to do anything. Listen, we have a guy. You'll really enjoy him in Edmonton. He's six foot seven. No, falls no, over every no. day. You don't no. get to sell, Drew. He gets to pick. <laughs> He gets to come in and take anyone he wants. And clearly he would like to have Tyler Myers. I'm just saying. I mean, like, cream of the crop, Avery. Like, just, he, he comes with his own enclosure. Terrible his own salesman. Chaos, terrible salesman. Enclosure. You know, I was, you know, he I may was, occasionally forget what team he's playing on. You know what? I would say that, Drew. I would say, oh, cool. Tyler Myers. Oh, you know what I'll take instead? That, that, sweet, that young Swedish boy, Elias Pettersson, you're coming to Alberta. <laughs> but which one? You have to be specific now. Right, that's right. right. Which one? The, oh, which one? no. The forward, Elias Pettersson. The forward. That's <laughs> 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 like, you know, we, we have a couple. We could just, they're all like blonde-haired, blue-eyed Swedes. We'll just swap them out. They'll never know. They'll never know. <laughs> You said PD. That's the one you got. I don't know what you were asking for. <laughs> oh, good that times. reaction was priceless. That should be the thumbnail. I was so I was so <laughs> shook when Jay asked that question. I was like, <gasps> <laughs> that was funny. That's how could you? <laughs> it's all hypothetical. I know no one wants to grab anyone off of the sharks. So, I feel you like know. I feel like I just want to have. I feel like that question wasn't hypothetical, though. You're just like, we're having a sale. Come on down. I really, I, I mean, we are for sale. Whether or not it's actually going to happen is uh, the more hypothetical part. Um, 
Do we have any closing thoughts? I have one last question we... because okay. Avery, you right. mentioned that you went to uh, broadcasting school, right? Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? <laughs> Do yeah. you have a broadcasting voice? Do you have a specific oh. voice you speak in when you're doing broadcasting stuff? I I do not know. What you see is what you get. This is this is the Avery on air. This is the Avery off air voice. I I couldn't if I tried. It would be I know people have said to me, Oh, you need a broadcasting voice. You need to sound like a deep a deep broadcaster. Like I I can't pull it off. It was not <laughs> I'm I'm the high pitched dude. That's my trademark. I'm sticking with that voice. <laughs> but Avery, I feel like your voice is like very like naturally broadcast. You know, like you remind me of like the the Iceman's their PR guy is the same way. Like when he talks, I'm like Alex. This isn't a play by play. Like we can just speak regular. But that is him speaking regular. <laughs> That's I don't funny. know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Thank you so much, Avery, for coming on today and having a chat with us and hanging out. Really great time. We're looking forward to seeing uh, the, the revival of Game Over. Yes. We're hoping it'll happen, and we're sending you all the great vibes. Um, yeah, and as always, I am your host, Jay. co-host, Nessa. I'm co-host, Drew. And this was Avery. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Yeah, it was, a, it was a blast. Anytime, gang. <laughs> Thank you. All right. See you next Take week. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.